Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. BWI is live at the start of NFL free agency, so I have a deal with the guys today. I'm a huge NFL fan. Dave is a Vikings fan. Nate doesn't care, but he's great at finding information. So what we're going to do is we are going to, if there is any sort of information out there that's important as news is breaking during the legal tampering period, we are going to go and we're just going to shout it out. So get ready, guys. It's going to be a fun show today, but it is also spring football. One week away today from the start of spring football. We're going to give you a preview of that. And, of course, it's the last hurrah, the swan song for Penn State basketball as they lost on Friday in the Big Ten tournament. Their season is over, and I'm going to introduce you to the guys that are going to tell you about it. Here we have senior editor Nate Bauer joining the show. Nate with another healthy water choice. That one looks like it has electrolytes. And uh, is that ionic yeah. water? Is that got yeah, ions and magic in it? Yeah. Yeah, it's total magic, and it's gonna make me healthy. I can't wait. It's great. Yes, voodoo water, awesome. I don't want. Let's 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 uh, get Dave Eckert on the show today. Uh, Kirk Cousins gets a contract extension. Dave, how you feeling? Yay! <laughs> it's fine. I don't have a bougie water bottle though, so that's less fine. Yeah, I wish that I had some bougie water. I have. Uh, I have a smoothie. So this looks disgusting. It looks like some sort of pink slime you would see in a Ghostbusters movie. But uh, T. Frank, T. Frank, I want to stop you. What? <clears throat> Breaking news: Tom Brady is coming back to play football again. Cool. Is that <laughs> is that new? Uh, that was last night. Uh, whatever. <laughs> yes, that. But but still relevant today on the start of free agency because I mean it looks very different now for Chris Godwin who was franchise tagged and coming off an ACL and an MCL uh, as opposed to coming back for the Buccaneers. He was injured in Week 17. They're making the playoffs now. Like Tom Brady's backed. The center is back. Uh, they're making the playoffs, so that changes, I think, the entire season for Chris Godwin and his happiness level of being stuck in Tampa Bay for another year. That's a realistic, once again, Super Bowl champion possibility, and Gronk is probably going back there as well. So that changes the entire outlook of the NFC and for one Chris Godwin. So that is a, a good thing for him, and I hate it. 
I hate it. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so let's start with uh, let me let's start with getting out our information of what we were going to talk about today. First off. As we mentioned, NFL free agency legal tampering period. If there's any Penn State news, Saquon Barkley rumored to be on the trade block in his final year with the with the New York Giants. Any of that information or news breaks, we'll get it to you. But also, Penn State-related things, Troy Apke re-signs with Washington. Special teams player, depth player in the secondary. Good for him. Penn State football starts spring practice in just a little bit, but recruiting is starting now. So our opening question today uh, for you guys is if you look at the Penn State roster and you had to pick one position that they need to target here in the spring to help out the ultimate goal of getting the roster better, what is the need and what is uh, what are you thinking they need to go after, Dave, when it starts with uh, when uh, uh, the unofficial visits and official visits are really ramping up today with Cam Lenhart on campus this afternoon, four-star defense event? Yeah, if we're talking about the transfer portal, um, you know, my choice would be the offensive line, right? And I think that's kind of obvious. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't really think you need to explain it that much. Um, yeah, I know they added Hunter Norzad. I know that maybe things look a little bit peachy, peachier with the younger guys there than they did previously. Um, but still, I mean, it, the way that Penn State's offensive line played last year, if you can add somebody there, I think you'd do it. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's what I'll go with. Nate, what are you thinking about when it comes to, uh, well, I'll open it up to, to, uh, the transfer portal as well in this spring period. That's yeah. another key part. And, and Dave's right to bring that up when it comes to adding players, either for the class of 23 or for, uh, in the transfer portal, what's a key need for you? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think Dave's right. It's, it's striking to me how much, the conversation has evolved even in the the 15 years plus that I've been doing this. You used to look at the scholarship roster and project two years out, right? It was like, oh, well, if they have a bunch of sophomores right now uh, or juniors at a specific position, then you really need to load up in this next recruiting class to, to kind of make up for their losses. Well, that's not really the case anymore. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they need linebackers right now and they need linebackers in the future. So take your pick. Uh, that, that would definitely be the, the position of need that I see the most. Um, and, you know, I mean, certainly th they've made it very clear that that is something that they intend to address through the transfer portal, but yeah. also uh, in recruiting. Yeah. And, and linebacker, it's going to be interesting I'm planning on writing something this week about Manny Diaz, and this is something people have asked me about when it comes to the structure of his defense. What are the differences? What might me? What might we see? And I was really hesitant because I don't know what he's going to bring from Miami. But linebacker—that's a big question too. Not just in the players that they have on the roster, but how many are they going to want? And is that going to change how they recruit based on Diaz being here? I, I just, it's one of those things that we need to see a little bit of spring practice to know what we're in for when it comes to uh, the defense and in that particular area of the defense. I, I just, when it comes to the offensive line, I think you make a great point, Dave. Specifically, the tackle position is something we've talked about all offseason long. But Penn State's in a really good position in the class of 2023 with the offensive line and some guys that I think can contribute early. Um, so I'm going to go with defensive end because that has been a strong point for Penn State over the last uh, handful of years, five, six years of having either a depth of guys that are very good or having one or two special sort of players. Penn State doesn't really have either of those right now. Class 2022, coming in with a special player. Yes, Ken Talley going to be there as well with Deny Dennis Sutton. But you need to stack those. And Penn State in the class of 2023, it is a deep class at defensive line in particular, but defensive end specifically. So getting a high floor, high ceiling guy to come in and be a part of that class and start stacking that I think is really important. William uh, says he thought Tom Brady was coming back to play for Pittsburgh, which is... Would Pittsburgh fans, after all the damage he's done, would you be happy about that? I'm not obviously I'm not a, a Steelers fan, but there is no way on earth I would have that man on my team as a Buffalo Bills fan. There's yeah, just but, no but way. The, the alternative is watching Mason Rudolph 17 times. So, <laughs> you know, like fair point. Come on. 
<laughs> That's a fair point. I guess you would rather take the greatest quarterback of all time as opposed to uh, a quarterback that's been in the NFL at some point. Uh, normally, we would do this show where we talk about Penn State football. We uh, get into some of the nuance, get into some of the storylines. But with Penn State basketball ending their season and going on a strong run in the Big Ten tournament, we're flipping things upside down. We're making an upside down cake today. We're going to start with basketball. But that doesn't mean that if you have Penn State football questions, we're not getting to those today. So just to reset everything so you know how the show goes if you're joining us for the first time. First thing is every time I'm going to ask you to do one thing for the show. And that is if you're enjoying the show, you're enjoying the talk, please share the video with your friends, family, wherever you want to share it. Uh, and uh, like the video if you're having a good time here. That way people know, hey, this is a safe space for people who like football. That is super helpful. Secondly, if you want to ask a question, we're going to get to your questions later in the show. Best questions, intriguing questions, questions that stimulate my neurons in my brain. We'll bring those up on the show. And of course, if you give us a super chat donation, we always make sure we get to those. So two ways to do that is, you know, it's not obligated to give a super chat, but it's always super appreciated. You get a shout out and a, I guess, a verbal hug from me. Give you a little bit of that bro hug action. Always appreciate it. But we're talking about Penn State basketball today. They play Purdue really tough all the way down to the end. And that's pretty indicative of the entire season, right, Nate? I mean, if you could encapsulate Penn State's season in one game, it's Purdue, a super talented, perennial, yeah. uh, top of the Big Ten team that they take down to the wire, but ultimately they don't have enough to get over the hump. Is that is that a fair assessment of what happened in that particular game? Yeah, I'm going to say something mean. Uh, <laughs> I know. Play Play really hard, fight back. And then don't score any points in the last two minutes and 38 seconds. And so, like, <laughs> that was kind of the story of the season. They, it was, it's, it's this really interesting dynamic right now for Penn State basketball between whether or not they're satisfied and happy with a 14 and 17 season where they played a ton of games, uh, including against competition that was obviously better. Uh, you know, picked, had an advantage over Penn State, and, and they were close, like, all the time. And then at the end of the season, Dave, you can correct me on this, but I think it's going to be 10 games that they lost by six or fewer points um, in that ballpark. Uh, and so, like, I think there's probably yeah. an opposite side of it and an opposite stance of what a missed opportunity uh, for, for these guys, right? I mean, it, it's it was just a, a this consistent level of, hey, playing really tough. They, they never quit. They, they, I mean, you, you can't help but like them as a team. They just, uh, they just really struggled to get over the top at the end of games. Um, and you know, so here, what the, is here that, they are. And season. What is over. that missing ingredient, Dave? Is that is that a consistent scorer? Is that an elite player, a transcendent player, an individual, or is that a team thing? When it comes to that late game, you need points. You can't get them. Yeah, I think it's it's it is that transcendent player. If you look at who was scoring for Purdue down the stretch, uh, there's a guy named Jaden Ivy who is going to be a top five pick <laughs> um, this this summer. So, Always helpful. Yeah, he's pretty good. Penn State doesn't have that, um, but it, it's also just shot makers, right? It, even in the games that they won, Penn State didn't make shots. Penn State, uh, they they shot eight of twenty six from three um, in that Purdue game. They were oh Seth, Seth Lundy oh of seven from three, Dalian Johnson one of six. So those those are like the auxiliary guys, and maybe it's not fair to call Seth Lundy auxiliary, but just just generally, those are the guys that win or lose you games because Penn State has in with with John Hara and Jalen Pickett two I think or, or had more accurately. Very good players. Pickett's coming back. Harris not. Um, I think what they did or did not get from the guys around them um, kind of doomed them in these games. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at the stats, I was actually I'm, I'm writing something for our magazine, which you can subscribe to um, if you'd like. Shameless plug um, this morning. And Penn State has the worst offense in the Big Ten and the best defense. So <laughs> you know, uh, it's it kind of it. You know, it's they couldn't score points, you know, yeah. and, and and I guess it makes sense that 
in the, at the end of games where teams tighten up, teams know they have to get stops, maybe it makes sense that they couldn't get it done yeah. because they weren't really necessarily getting it done at all the other times anyway. But yeah, it's it's definitely a frustrating one. And maybe if they win half those games, we're talking about their, their first round NCAA tournament opponent. Um, certainly their first round NIT opponent yeah. um, instead of dissecting their season here. So, so Nate, this is something we've kind of talked about throughout the season, but is it is it that you can focus so much on defense that you can be the number one defense at the sacrifice of your offense, or is it just we don't have any scores, we're going to focus on defense and it's going to be what it's going to be? Is that is that tilt of the court what caused the offensive issues that then become exposed in those late moments? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think so. Like honestly, okay. I, I look at a roster that had players capable of scoring. They just didn't do it consistently. And I mean Seth Lundy, like you don't want to pile on the kid. Um, and he's a guy who obviously has been around for a while and done some really nice things through his career at Penn State, but that's a game that's gonna haunt him uh on Friday, right? I mean, just just a no show and tried like uh, plays really good defense still played good defense uh that effort was still there but they this was a season that they understood from the get-go relied on seth lundy being consistent and being a scoring presence because they knew that there weren't going to be that many other pieces that they could count on for 15 to 20 points a game. Yeah. Um, it, it just, you know, so when, when you have a guy in Lundy who is capable of that, you, you got to get 10 and for him to come away with whatever it was, Dave zero two uh, on Friday night, two points, you know, that that'll, that'll get you. And yeah. so that's especially that's when they started on such a hot streak where they were out of the gates pretty well offensively. And then you could see the clangs once uh, once once Purdue kind of got into rhythm, the missed shots and, and some of that stuff really came once once Purdue settled in. And that's when the offense really kind of, I think, took focus of what you guys are talking about. Yeah, I mean, but. Like that happens, right? I mean, right. It, it's yeah. it's a game of runs. You're you're gonna go up. You're gonna go down. Uh, these things happen. Penn State really throughout the season, outside of UMass and maybe Indiana and maybe what Nebraska, like pretty much kept every game to that ten point differential yeah. where they were able to come back and able to to make it a game late. But you know, you, you can't live like that. And yeah. they ended up living like that through the course of the season and just never really had enough uh, to get over the top. Chase Edmonds going to the Dolphins on a two-year $12 million deal that affects nobody. Uh, I don't know if that's a good use of money either in the NFL. Where do you guys want to go with this now with, with Penn State basketball and, and kind of the season? We've, we've talked about how the expectations... I think they largely met them of being competitive in every single game as, as Nate just laid out. But wh wh what's what's your takeaway? Where do you want to go wh when you're reminiscing about the se the first season under Micah Shrewsbury? Dave, do you have any thoughts of, of what's next in your mind? Yeah, that's what's next is kind of what I'm thinking about here because they've just they've just had a very positive end of the season, right? It's unfortunate they didn't win the Purdue game, but you know, you win two games in the Big Ten tournament if you're Penn State, you're happy. Um, so now they're, they're kind of going to have the opposite dynamic from this season in that they're going to be really young next year. Like, they're going to have five freshmen. They actually just sent out an, an, a, another class of 22 scholarship offer last week, which surprised me because my working assumption was that they were totally done. Um, so maybe six. And... You know, I mean, this year they were all seniors, right? So can they not only equal what they did last season with this young roster, can they build on that? And right. I don't know that the answer is necessarily yes. Um, I don't know that it's a fair expectation for that to happen based on what their roster is going to look like. These are talented kids, but they're kids, and they're right. going to have to play a lot. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see not only how Penn State plays, but kind of how the fans interpret how they play. Um, because I think there is a little bit of a sense of expectation now based on what they did. And yeah. it's going to be a totally different scenario next season. 
and that and that's you have that from a certain degree every year in sports, but you you don't, as you described, don't go from the most veteran team to the most youthful team that you could have in in that short order. Do you think that that means that the trans is the transfer portal still open for uh, Penn State next season? And with this offer extended, is that an indication of maybe they're not going to lean as heavily on the portal and they're going to go for the full rebuild now, play young players, develop them? Yeah, I don't know, right? It's it's interesting. Um, they have so as it stands right now, if Miles Dredd and um, Sam Sessoms both choose to come back and nobody transfers out, they have one scholarship open. Um, so if if there are transfers out, you know, then that gives them some flexibility. But uh, there is not a whole lot of room to maneuver unless they offload some guys, um, which. Certainly, I think there's some guys in the roster that are, you know, that, that, that might have more of a future somewhere else. But, um, you know, it's it's tough to predict what they're going to do in the transfer portal without knowing how much room that they have. Right. Because we, you know, it's a smaller roster. It's not football where you've got 85 spots and you can, there's way more cards to shuffle. It's right. like if this card doesn't want to move, then you can't add the other card, man, you know? So <laughs> right. It's, it's, uh, Nate, what's your, what's that your was a, sense of that? What's your sense? That I want to get. I want to get. I want to back up to something that I asked him previously, but I want to get your sense of that of the roster and and kind of where you're thinking about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that that if you're taking the broad picture view of this, Micah Shrewsbury had no choice but to rely on the portal in the first year because of the departure. You know, like you you don't have time to recruit a class of 2021 guys when you're arriving at a program in mid-March. And so, yeah, like they had to fill a roster. They did. They filled it with older players. But the way that they approached the 2022 class, bringing in five guys, that's how they want to build the program. And he has said that throughout the season, that his intent and their intent is to build the program, right? To to do really what Purdue is doing, um, which is bringing in freshmen, you know, kind of uh, cultivating them through their careers uh, until they get to junior, senior year and, you know, have that type of success where it's a traditional model. Uh, I think that they need immediate help at forward. Has to happen right away. Uh, John Hara leaving. He he doesn't have a choice. He has to go. That means you got to get somebody. Greg Lee leaving. Doesn't have a choice. He's gone. Um, you know, so and actually, there was a little bit of question as to Greg Lee whether or not he would have an opportunity for a six year, um, based on how much of the season he spent injured. He had a Instagram post, maybe Twitter post as well, yesterday on Sunday, uh, described you know basically saying like, "Hey, that's it, Se- season's over, career's over uh, in college." And so now they they have to get immediate help there, um, and you know. So I think that they're going to be forced to go back to the portal, but just in general, you, this year would have been good for them as a program to initially start off with some postseason play because it's probably not going to happen next year. (laughs) Like that's the dynamic that they're looking at is, yeah, you got some good pieces. Jalen Pickett coming back is huge. If Sam Sessoms comes back, that's huge. Um, Seth Lundy coming back is huge. Those, like those are that's a good core three guys to build around. But when when you're building around them with five true freshmen, eighteen year old, nineteen year old kids, that that is a really really difficult expectation. Um, and so those guys are going to need some time, some seasoning, uh, and they're not they're not going to be able to have and don't really want to have the immediate help of big transfer yeah uh you know influxes basically of transfers so it, it it sounds a lot like we're trying to soften the landing for a season that might be a little <laughs> bit different next year do you think you'll see a different coaching style so we talked about this this season about the way this team played was it set up with the players they had defense 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 slow the game down is that 
maybe going to change next year as well when it comes to you're changing the personnel, changing the talent on the floor, or is it still going to be focused on defense and slowing things down because you have young players that maybe can't keep up in, in a high-scoring game? What are your thoughts on, on that? I'll go I to... would ex- go Sorry. Um, I would expect it to be more of the same. Okay. Um, just because, you know, like, I, I think that's a good base. Like, I know it's not exciting, but I've come I, – I mean, and I actually wrote, like, a column about this, and I know that Penn State fans don't love being compared to Rutgers in any fashion, but <laughs> look at what Steve Peichel has done at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to the NCAA tournament for a second straight year. It would be a third if they were um, – if they had played in 2020. Um, and that's what they do, man. Like – they slow you down. They play gross, disgusting defensive basketball, and it works. And I'm not saying that's fully what Micah Shrewsbury wants to do here, but I, I don't. I don't think that if you are Penn State, if you are Northwestern, if you are Rutgers, and you are perpetually going to be facing a a talent deficit every almost every time you step out onto the floor against the top teams in the Big Ten then I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. Um, so, you know, if Micah Shrewsbury, at, you know, five years from now has five four-star kids in, in every class and, and Penn State ha- is this awesome hub of basketball talent, then great. Then I think that that's a bad idea. That sucks. Nobody really wants to watch awesome athletic kids just defend and play slow basketball. But if you're trying to bridge the gap um mm-hmm. with less talent than your opponent does and i don't i don't i don't i don't hate it i don't know I, I i don't know exactly what his plans are but i i can't imagine that deviating from his greatest strength this season would be like something he's rushing to do hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus so what's the i i think everyone feels positive about Penn State basketball after the way they finished their season. And a lot of that had to do with John Hera and that story specifically and how hard he played in certain games and that being a huge catalyst for the way the season ended. And not to take that away from Michael Shrewsbury or the organization or anything, but it was a, it was a large part of the story. So given that you're both already forecasting maybe a bit of a step back next season... Where where do you say that this program is headed with the positivity that you got from see, from year one, knowing year two is going to be very different? Nate, what what do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that certainly in terms of setting a culture and trying to carry that forward, that's that's a good place to start. You, you don't have you don't have the influence of Hera though for the guys that are coming in next season. Right. And so they're not, they're not going to see like, they're going to see that on film. And that's something that Michael Shrewsbury talked about all season was, Hey, this is stuff that we're going to use next year and the year after and years down the line of, Hey, look at how crazy this guy is out on, on the hardwood. Right. I mean, he's just, he plays with an effort that you, you can control. You can go all out all the time. And most College basketball players don't, but it's it's possible, right? Right, like expend every ounce of energy that you have, um, you know. But some of the things that he said, uh, Michael Shrewsbury, in his last post game press conference after that game on Friday night, he he made these like little asides about uh, like you know we're going to be back, we're we're going to be here, like this is something that you should more or less get used to is Penn state being competitive and, and being in these types of situations. And then like the, the little throwaway line was, and maybe we'll figure out if we can, you know, how to score a few more points. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like to, to me, there's, there is this fascinating question and Dave, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, uh, like the book on Micah was that he was coming in with, 
these great sets, right? Like he was an offensive guy uh, yeah. and that was supposed to be his, his strength. And so, you know, there's this, this dichotomy of, Hey, he managed to take a team of, you know, uh, misfits in a lot of ways. Right. I mean, they, yeah. they, you just had to throw them all into a pot and see what happens, but he got them all to play tight half court defense. Like that was the deal was tight half court defense. But the inability, ultimately, like, he got them shots. They got good looks. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't make them. And so where does that come from? How do you manufacture literally six more points a game? Like, two, two more made baskets. Three more made baskets changes the outcome of a lot of the games that they played in this season. And so does Jameel Brown, does he change that? Does that, like, are the, do those shots go in next season? went right and so dave like i see you shaking your head like maybe maybe not yeah uh yeah that's the thing with shooters like though it, you know like <laughs> yeah they did and so like you know um i, I think there's some question as to miles dread what his future is at penn state mm -hmm. uh if he comes back you know like it just feels like at this point you kind of know what you have with a lot of the older guys and mm -hmm. what you have is streaky. Yeah. Like just very inconsistent. Sometimes they make shots and, and miles dread has made big shots in his career. He has made a ton of them and has won games for them. But also, you know, are, are you, are you maximizing that position? Are you getting the most that you can out of uh, that spot when you really, 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 really need that spot to generate some points for you? So no, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting offseason for them to see how they fill out the rest of the roster. Um, and then the tack that they take moving forward. Like what what type of basketball team is it gonna be? Are they going to shift away from just strong defense to actually uh, you know, scoring more points, like getting more more buckets, period. Uh Dave, final thoughts on Penn State basketball, where the future is going for this team. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with Nate. They need a big. If they get a a big who is not only like a serviceable bit, eh, serviceable big, but a good big, then I think we can talk about achieving some things next year. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, it's tough. Like I, I'm excited about the trajectory of the program. I think fans should be too. But my, I would just hesitate to assume that it's just going to be up, 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 because that's not how this works. You know, like, yeah, yeah. sure. There are, there are instances where like, you know, a, a coach just comes in and, and catches fire and two years after finishing last in their conference, they make the big, the NCAA tournament every year from then until the rest of the time. But like, realistically, I don't think that's a fair expectation. So, so let me again, ask you this, because it seems like a lot of this sure. hinges uh, on some positivity this offseason in the roster building. Let me ask you, do you think that, and there's a, there, in basketball, there's so many players in the transfer portal. That doesn't mean yeah. that you're going to get an all Big Ten or an, an All-American big, but because those guys are obviously going elsewhere to the NBA or otherwise. But is there... Micah Shrewsbury and what he can do at Penn State and what he proved in the first year. Do you think, Dave, he can get one of those bigs to come to the Nittany Lions? Yeah, I do. Because he got Jalen Pickett, right? right. Jalen yep. Pickett, Gonzaga wanted Jalen Pickett, you know? <laughs> right. So, like, uh, it's, there's certainly, he's he's proven that he can recruit. Um, you look at what he's done with the high school kids, getting Jalen Pickett here. Um, I do think that he is capable of landing that that big fish. Um, whether, it, you know, if he can get Jalen Pickett at center, you know, like <laughs> the outlook yeah. changes. But um, we'll see. Um, certainly, with with there are fewer bigs than there are guards, right? So that makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, but we got to see who's in the portal and. Uh, We'll see. We'll see how Penn State attacks it. It'll be. It'll be interesting. Um, definitely a lot that we don't know right now. Let's get to 
our favorite segment of the day. And by our, I mean my favorite segment of the day. Our prediction game for 2021. Here's how this works. You, the fans, get to decide who the winner is here. And our question today for what's going to happen in 2021 is who will have the most yards from scrimmage on offense in 2021? Our view of Penn State spring football starts here. So, guys, we're going to uh, we're going to go through this, and you're going to give your reason for why your player will have the most yards from scrimmage. What you think? We're going to start on the left with Nate and Parker Washington. What is your view of Penn State uh, offense and Parker Washington? T. Frank, I have some bad news, buddy. What? I think it's 2022, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, it only, I mean, listen, I only I, wrote this I would, twice because the system was making me mad. So I only had to write that two or three times. So thank you. I, I, I'm just I'm just saying I would feel really, really confident making predictions for 2021 at this point. Like I would. <laughs> I that's, would where wanna, that that's where you want to yeah. stay, right? John Dotson. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Washington just because I, I don't think that there will be a clear cut running back uh, like i i think mm-hmm. that they're all not all of them but right singleton uh and and lee and maybe ford gets in there maybe holmes gets in there pro- probably one, one of those two guys gets in there and so if you're splitting carries between three running backs it just makes it impossible for a running back to be the top yard from scrimmage guy just right i mean it's kind of a a, a de facto position and so yeah, of of the receivers, if Sean Clifford is the quarterback, and that's going to be my presumption at least to start the season, that's his guy, right? I mean, right. That, that has to be his guy. He's got some. He's got some chemistry there. Showed it in the Outback Bowl, uh, you know. And and Parker, I think uh, you would probably agree with this through the the end of the season, through the last half of the season, showed what he can do, right? I mean, he he demonstrated that he can be a, a top target and he can, he can, um, you know, generate that type of production. So yeah, yeah. easy, easy pick. Uh, I, I just want everyone to know before we get going here with Dave, that I picked Dave's player, Dave picked Dave's player and I gave him. Wow. Dave's player. Well, here's the thing T Frank, you yeah. gave me my player who is Mitchell Tinsley. Um, but you took, you took, the player that I think is going to win just based on how our chat tends to feel about this player based on previous experience. Uh, so let's not act like this is some kind of act of charity here. Okay. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I picked Mitchell Tinsley. Um, I feel similarly to Nate in that I don't necessarily think that the situation at running back is going to allow for that position um, to factor in here. So I think it's kind of a toss up between Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington. Mitchell Tinsley has done it before at Western Kentucky. Um, his tape is electric. You know, he's a great athlete. Um, he does have the slight disadvantage of, of, of coming in fresh kind of needing to forge that relationship with Sean Clifford right off the bat. Um, but look, um, you know, we, we, we know what he can, what he can do. We've seen it. He's a veteran. Um, Penn State has not hesitated to uh, rely on its transfers, as we saw last season, um, heavily. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Mitchell Tinsley. I think that's a well-reasoned argument. So I'm going to give you my guy, and then here's what I'm going to do. Nick Singleton. Nick Singleton is great. Nick Singleton will be great. He's going to lead the offense and be an All-American candidate next year. Vote for me for Pander of 2022. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the argument for the other two guys because this is how it went. I came up with this topic uh, this morning thinking about, you know, who's what's it? What's it? What's it? What's a good topic to think of and the, the reshaping of the roster. And my thought was Parker Washington. I didn't write it down, 
Nate wrote that down. So then I went, okay, yeah. Mitchell Tinsley. Yeah. So then I wrote that down, and Dave's like, ah, I was going to say Mitchell Tinsley. And I'm like, all right, fine, I'll take Nick Singleton. So Nick Singleton is the winner today. Like, Nick Nick Singleton is going to he's gonna take the job. He's going to go for 1,100 yards. He's going to be a great receiver out of the backfield, even though we've never seen that on film. And he's going to be an awesome pass protector, <laughs> and he's going to be the number one running back. So please vote for me. But here's the, here's the argument for the other two. Uh, Parker Washington, slot receiver, running carries, jet sweeps, things like that. He is going to be involved in multiple areas of the offense, so he's going to have multiple different categories in which he can get yards. Mitchell Tinsley, here's the answer for him. Explosive downfield threat, the most valuable plays on the football football field. He can go for 65 yards on one play and get 130 in a game. I don't know that... You know, it's going to take some math to get that for Parker Washington. So those were my uh, reasons for those other players. But Nick Singleton, pander, 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 please vote for me. I will lower your taxes and raise your rent, your, your, your whatever. And like all the things I I promise, I, all the promises I can't keep. on the gas prices, T. Frank. Uh, Hard pass. Hard pass. Listen, Robert already voted for me, so I win. That's it. All right. Well, we're going to keep the tallying open till the end of the show, or at least until I decide that it's over. Shut it off. (laughs) Let's talk about uh, spring football. We got about 20 minutes here to break down the biggest spring football storylines and position battles that are coming up next week. Everyone wants to know who versus who, who's going to win. That's what we're talking about today, or at least that's what I'll talk about today in depth of what I see from Penn State's biggest position battles. And then we'll talk about the storylines. Those guys have it covered when it comes to sort of the threads that weave through Penn State spring practice. So do you guys want to start in the order I wrote those down, kind of going through the depth chart, or is there something interesting that sticks out to you that you think is most important to talk about? Nate, what do you think? Yeah, I want to I want to talk about something non-specific, but that I love. Okay, which is the vibe. I want to know what the vibe is. What's the vibe? <laughs> Professional mercenary, like we're here to go, we're here to do a job, we're here to execute and to win. Or like I'm saying, like you know, there's always there's always like so so preseason media day, right? Or Big Ten preseason media days. Yeah, always has that, right? And so. 13 teams have three players sitting at a round table and they all say the exact same thing, which is everyone's counting us out this year. Uh, we, we feel disrespected <laughs> and our approach to this season is like, we've, we've never been more determined than we are this year. Fine. Uh, Penn state's had like, okay. Two years ago, I, I'm counting it out. I know nobody likes that, but it, it is what it is. It was just a weird, messed up year. All right. Fine. Last year wasn't good uh, at all, right, for Penn State football. They won five games, and then they did not win many more, right? Two two more the rest of the way. Uh, and a lot of the pieces, not all of them, but a lot of the pieces, certainly defensively, they've lost a lot. But a lot of the same cast of characters is going to be back for this season for Penn State. And so, like, what is what is the story? What like right? How how are they carrying themselves? Are they like is this is this the the vindication tour? The what what was it? You know, Michigan's revenge, revenge tour. tour. Yeah, right. Like, is 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 that what we're talking about? Uh, like, they were wronged by the officials. No, like, there. I, I don't see a clear like thing for this team and and i know that how stupid that sounds but it's true like yeah. there is no yeah we're, we're coming off of something they're, they're coming well, off of a less last than year, stellar year last year was that right so last year was everyone's coming Correct. back for one more ride and yep. we knew that after the season that 2020 we're not going out this way that was from a bunch of the guys on the defensive side especially this year it's like you're right the the major storyline outside of the program are the freshmen, but I don't know, Dave. Dave, what, what's your thought? You have a you have a My vibe. My thought is that you don't need slogans to go one and zero 
every day do you think <laughs> that's my thought um <laughs> what's their yeah, what's their latest I thing i saw like, something there's like eighty three thousand seconds in a day make every second count there's something i oh saw from penn state football about that i was like <laughs> oh that gives that like i understand working hard and busting i don't need butt, more ammo it gives me anxiety <laughs> thinking about like every second has to mean something that's a great way to have some sort of disorder i i don't i mean i don't i don't even know about like a slogan i'm just like i genuinely don't know i don't have a feel for how the players themselves are like what is what is their talking point going to be you know like oh well if maybe maybe if pj mustafer hadn't gotten hurt if sean clifford hadn't gotten hurt you know like oh well we're maybe it's we're healthy this year right like maybe maybe that's the angle i'm not i'm not sure and so like I, i genuinely am curious to see how they present this just because it's not like it can't be the same as it was last year. Yeah. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking of maybe outside of vibe or what, what's, what's on your mind as we're a week from spring practice thing that you're thinking about? Um, yeah, if we're, if we're staying away from like the individual battles to save that for later, I, I might kind of just say the coaching staff, Mm-hmm. Um, right. Year two of Mike Yersich, Manny Diaz's first go around. Um, that's interesting. Uh, because you know, I mean, not, it's not absolute, but Penn state has previously, at least on defense with Brent Pry, been a, been a place where we've just kind of thought stability, right. Not much has, has, has changed. So now in, uh, in two years, they and Stacy Collins too on special teams. In, in right. two years, they've replaced all three of their coordinators. So, I think that's interesting. Um, yep. How that situation is kind of developing, I think, is probably um, what I'm most curious about outside of like the individual player stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be thinking about that for sure. I guess the thing I'm I'm interested in is year two of Mike Yersich. Does it make a difference for the offensive line? Just for the overall, you talk about vibe. What's the vibe of the offense? Do they feel like they're locked in and know what they're doing this year? Does it feel like there's clear, crisp communication? Do they all execute their assignments correctly? And then it becomes about the physical talent of the players because last year it seems like there were systemic problems within the offense that were beyond just the physical limitations of some of the football players, even though I think a lot of that was driving those problems because then you're trying to compensate for those particular problems which leads you down the wrong path so what is the offense like this year from a communication standpoint and understanding and digestion standpoint from the players involved because you can have the quarterback know what he's doing and then the offensive line not know what they're doing and then all of a sudden you've got a quarterback that doesn't look like he knows what he's doing so to me how everything looks and i remember last year um when we got to go to the second open practice and I watched Sean Clifford make some throws and I'm like he doesn't that was bad (laughs) there was none of those early in the season so this is a time that that was a time when they were learning the offense they were learning to make the mistakes and and come back and correct them and they did but what is the what is the what is the baseline this year to expect for the fall for the offense. I think that's an interesting storyline. But that leads me to the first situation I want to get to at quarterback, which is not Sean Clifford and the starting position. It is QB2. Here you have your contestants. Oh, wow. In the first running, in, in the first running of spring practice battle, Drew Aller, Bo Prabula, and Christian Veyu under the rack there. Um how do you want to handle this? Because I want to get into the, the the X's and O's side of this. Is there a storyline or an interesting point that you guys are thinking about when it comes to the second quarterback situation and the quarterback room as a, as a whole? I I mean, if I, I'll chime in here, I, I think that Christian, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Christian Veyu is, is not being talked about enough, probably, right? Um, Agreed. I, I think that Drew, Drew Aller, like it, yeah, he... he it makes sense to have the hype around him uh, arriving at Penn State. I, I am 100% sold on my own reporting and research that I did a couple of weeks ago about first-year five-star quarterbacks. They just don't play as a rule. And so if that's the case, and we know that, 
than I'm not saying that it's completely out of the realm of possibility for him to make that move and him to step up and right be great. Like, sure, right. that's a that's a possibility. But is it a likelihood? Probably not. And so if it's not a likelihood, who does that leave? Leave Sean Clifford, who we know what he is, and Christian Veyu, who I don't know that we do know what he is. Yeah. But I think that we know that he has some some pieces there like there are some ingredients there that could be successful he had some successful showings and the opportunities that he did have is can he make a push can, can right like, yeah th there's this there's this and it goes throughout the roster this is something that goes way back to 2014 and 2015 which is players that start tend to perform better when somebody is nipping at their heels and you're you're getting if ahead Christian, of me here. You're getting ahead of me here, Nate. You're you're uh, uh, you're hitting. Did on, I steal your thunder? Well, no, not necessarily. But it, it, it was going to be. It's the next logical thing. It's what we've talked about all off season. Is is there anyone available to push Sean Clifford? And and that has been my biggest question. Is the QB two situation? I don't. I I think if there's a player based on what we heard from uh, Chuck Losey that is physically able to compete more so than, you know, just the, the position, it's Bo Perbula, who is more physically developed, albeit he's not as big. That's the, that's the drawback there of Bo Perbula. What is his upward trajectory as an athlete? But he, uh, Losi mentioned that Drew Aller was still learning some, you know, working on his technique when it comes to his lifting. He did not have an advanced lifting background coming to Penn State. I think that's a huge positive for the future because he's going to get bigger, faster, and stronger, and he's already pretty big, pretty fast, and pretty strong. His arm is going to get better, but that leaves only Christian Veyu as a guy that is the clear QB2, where does that go, Dave? Do you think that there is enough to push Sean Clifford to make the opportunity for growth that Nate was just talking about? And I cut him off at the knees there. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that – I don't know. If, if I'm thinking about Sean Clifford, right? Like, I don't, I don't know that I view him as someone who needs, like, external pushing just because if you've ever heard Sean Clifford talk – or, right. or just like, that, sat in on a press conference, you know that he is extremely intense and and extremely driven. It might be the problem, um, truthfully. <laughs> that might yeah, be his problem so, is that there's too much drive. Yeah. So as far as that aspect of it, I don't I don't know if I'm like hugely concerned about the QB2's ability to push him. What I am concerned about is whether the QB2 can play college football if Sean Clifford gets hurt yeah um because as we saw uh that kind of had an impact on Penn State season last so year. are we in the same so, position that we were last season despite the fact that there's more promise because we have seen some things out of Christian Veyu are we in the same position Nate would you say as last season where that is a big question on the roster um no, I mean, I, I don't think so, just because I think that Christian Veyu has a better foundation to work from than maybe Taquan Roberson did. Mm -hmm. And so, like, but again, I mean, it's 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 not even just, hey, break glass in case of emergency. It's, hey, Sean, you're not getting it done. We're going in a different direction, right? Like, yeah. that has to be... That has to be a reasonable choice for, and and we all know this, right? Like James Franklin is hesitant about that. He he doesn't want to give his starter the hook. He he wants to play his start. He like he wants to name a starter and stick with that guy and let him work through some of the troubles that he experiences. But I, I just think that we've we've seen how this goes, right? And and if it's not a viable option, they're not. Like it's, it won't even be considered and they need to be able to have, to be able to make that consideration. If you want to yep. stick with Clifford because like through, through thick and thin, because he's your guy, he's coming back for a six year, like all of that stuff. That's fine. That's a choice that you've made. But if you don't have a choice, you're backed into a corner and that, and that really leaves you um, just, just in an overall bad spot. So, I mean, I, I just, 
I think it is critical for those backups, whoever, whoever it is, uh, either to push him to, to, you know, potentially take the spot and be the quarterback or at the very least to present themselves as a viable, realistic, op, you know, uh, replacement if, if that is necessary. So when it comes to the quarterback position, this, I guess, is what I saw from Christian Veyu last year that I think should be encouraging and to see how deep that vein runs is the decisiveness of Veyu. That is the biggest thing. And that's not just as a, as a passer. As a runner, I thought Veyu did a great job of having good vision and making the right decision with the football. He might have been one of their more decisive runners on the offense. So that decisiveness coming through, I think well, that's what I want to see this this spring. How far can that spread out? How confident is he in all situations? Because against zone, and I thought putting the ball on target, going even back to his high school, was, was a plus of his. So he's accurate and decisive. We are halfway there. <laughs> now we just need to see against zone, against uh, a rotation, against when you have, uh, you know, different situations on the defense where they're in a sub package. Are you recognizing what's on the field and where it's on the field? All of the like second and third level things are what we need to know. But I think the bedrock of what Christian Veyu is, that is positive that is hugely positive I took a lot away from even the brief examples we had because not to go with the sniff test or the looks like test it looked right he was making right reads decisively even if he was making a mistake in the Rutgers game that he got bailed out to by a dropped interception or two guys running in, into each other he threw the ball he didn't hold on and look paralyzed as a true freshman in that situation that I think is a confidence that you're not going to shatter at this point certainly in spring so how does that grow and develop and does Sean Clifford get all the reps for the ones as a 60-year player does he need all of those do you get to see more of value because of the situation so to me that's that's the part that I'm interested in the spring is what's the what's the leeway in that QB 1a QB 2 situation of because you have Clifford and because you want to learn more about value do you have the opportunity to so I, I, I think it's a fascinating situation. I, I left it as QB2 when we were talking about it in the group chat. But really, it is all about the starting quarterback. Is there a guy yep. that can step up? Um, here's another. I, Go for it. Can I respond to Glenn just because yes, I want to? That's what I was going to. I was just going to bring this up. Let's all talk about this. Glenn has a fear that not playing Drew Aller will have him transfer. Most likely because of the fear to Ohio State. Which is like, that is a, is a kid from Ohio. I've seen that already from multiple places. That the fear is the kid is going to transfer. He doesn't play right away. Your thoughts, Nate? You, you, can't, you can't let the possibility of a transfer dictate your decision making. Like you just, you can't. If you do that, you're going to be held hostage to it throughout the program. I understand Drew Aller is valuable. He and his family, like Sean Clifford isn't invited back if they have a problem with that right in the first place. So that that's the, the, the foundation of what I want to say. But the second part that I think is so critically important is this year's Heisman trophy winner through 22 passes as a true freshman. Yeah. Like, yep. It, it happens all the time. Five-star quarterbacks, number one quarterbacks come in and they don't play their first year. It is an impossible position to play as a true freshman. Like it is just so rare. And again, impossible is too strong of a word, but it's just so rare unless you are forced into it. Yeah. For, for that guy to like legitimately come in and win the job. And can so, we talk I about mean, some I, of the I, examples too? Can I, can I bring up a couple of the examples? Absolutely. Uh, Clemson and, and um, Trevor Lawrence. No offense is simple. Let me just start that. But the Clemson offense is simple compared to other offenses. If you have Travis Etienne, Justin Ross, and T. Higgins on that offense, along with you know a veteran defense and a bunch of things, like I'm not trying to take away what Trevor Lawrence did, but their offense, I've described it historically, is bubbles and goes. You throw the ball short, you throw the ball short, you throw the ball short, they crept up, okay, now we're going to take our five-star athlete and run him down the field. 
as a quarterback, that's less processing for you. That's you just got to make the decision there, and you got to be accurate. And the thing that Trevor Lawrence did was under pressure, he threw the ball accurately down the field to those players. That's great. Maybe Drew Aller could do that, but this is not that offense. This is definitely not that offense. Andrew Luck, his dad was a college quarterback. His dad was the dean, like a, the the AD of a university. Like he's an otherworldly smart person. And again, Drew Aller can be an otherworldly smart person, and he showed that on film that he has football acumen and adaptability. But are you saying he's Andrew Luck? You have to prove that first before I'm going to say this five-star athlete is that because there have been a few of them that have come in as freshmen and really made a difference. The rest of them, if we were to dig into it, I bet you they would be athletes that played quarterback and figured it out as they went. They were not quarterbacks that that did the, the quarterback thing. They didn't operate the offense like a Sean Clifford could. So they're exceptions and they're pretty specific players that are five-star quarterbacks that come in to make a difference. So I don't think there's a, I don't think there's any risk of Drew Aller transferring no. if he doesn't play this year. And he in came fact, in I with the knowledge and the understanding that this was you have to earn your position, so yeah. like, don't expect I mean, li- to start. Literally, like if anything, it is a safety net. These guys have someone else to take the bullets for them at the beginning of their yeah. career. And so like I don't I, I just I don't see a, a down like if that's his expectation to come in and win the job from day one, um, you know, good, good for him. But I, I don't, I have not gotten that sense. That is not anything that I've seen that suggests that that's, you know, kind of their outlook on this. Uh, Nate, you have done an excellent job today. And first off, I want to say you've done an excellent job of being an analyst on the show. You've also done an excellent job of doing the thing that I know secretly you wanted to do, which is not talk about the position battles so far. We've got two minutes left in the show, and we have to get to <laughs> one more of them, guys. So no. of, of the position battles, Dave, you get to choose. Which one do you want to talk about? Oh, boy. Um, I think running back is the most interesting um, okay. And also, probably the easiest to talk about at this stage. All right. Um, Give me sixty seconds. Just sixty seconds. Okay. Yes. Um. Uh, Kevon Lee um, is coming back. We know that he was not very productive, but we're not sure how much of that was his fault last year. So, um, it can Nick Singleton surpass him this spring? Probably not, based on uh what we've seen from other um, situations that are like this. But we also know that Nick Singleton is really good. So um, definitely something to monitor. Uh, how do the other guys fit in, right? How does Katron Allen fit in? How does Keziah Holmes and Devin Ford, who certainly will be wanting to factor into this offense fit in? I just think there's like just so much to figure out here. And that's why I'm interested in it because it doesn't seem like really anything is, is set in stone. And we kind of felt like this last year too, um, coming into, coming into the spring, except I think maybe we had a little bit of a different tone because we thought the running back room would be awesome. And it turned out not to be, (laughs) but uh, there's more talent right now. I think that is a better distribution of talent than there would have than there was last season. I we we talked about I was talking about last offseason uh that there were some clear holes in the talent on the roster and specific skills. Nate, give me 15 seconds on the running back position. Yeah, I mean, you know, is is Nick Singleton Saquon Barkley? Yes or no? I don't know. And yeah. and that's going to be that's going to be the question is like I, I I think there are some reasons to think that maybe he is. Um, you know, but even Saquon Barkley needed five games to uh, overtake Akeel Lynch as the starter for Penn State. So who's a good football know, player? I always liked Akeel Lynch. Good guy. Yeah. Good football player. But yeah, like it, it's just it's very, very hard to, co- yeah. I, you know, I mean, I sound so stupid saying it, but like it's just this 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 external conflict of we work in a business of, recru- you know, right. We're talking about recruits and there's there's a an expectation and an anticipation and you, as for the fans perspective, you can't wait to get these guys on campus, but there's, there's this secondary side of it of, yeah, but very rarely do they 
make an immediate impact. Yeah. It's just, it's just very, very hard to do. Um, and so with Nick Singleton, it's, Hey, what, what is he? Is, is he a unicorn? He might yeah. be, he's the Gatorade national player of the year. He just Maybe got another award yesterday too. Like P Mr. PA or something like that, or another, another award once he's all, I guess not, you're not always in college at this point in your high school career. Cause he left about a semester early from high school, but he's still getting high school awards. And he's, we're talking about him as a as potential starter next fall as a freshman. I look at, I, I've tried to look at this and maybe this is a mistake. I've tried to look at this since last season as who are the, what are the roles you need to fill and what running backs can fill those roles early down back. I think you got some obvious, you know, uh, Kevon Lee. And and I would also say Katron Allen, as far as a guy that can read and and just get you yards when you need them. You got your explosive playbacks, Kaziah Holmes and Nick Singleton. And then you've got guys that are third down, do-it-all, hybrid sort of players that can be pass protectors, but also a threat in the running game or in the passing game. And that's the position I think is the the biggest question mark to me is Kevon Lee showed some good things as a receiver, but he was downright bad in pass protection at times last season. So who's going to be the consistent guy in that area? That is up for that's up for grabs, I think, right now. Kevon Lee has to take a step forward this spring in that. Um, and then it comes down to which one of the young guys, if they can, can carve out a role there. Is it Devin Ford? There's a lot to learn about that as well. The BWI live show wrapping up here for monday make sure you like the video if you're hanging out with us and you enjoyed our conversation all the way from free agency nfl to penn state basketball to spring sort of roster battles i'm your host thomas frank Carr. we will be back next monday with football for real this time Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.